welcome to Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Carrie Wee, and I live in LA. And this is Kelly McVeigh, and I live in a small town, Newark, Ohio, in Midwest US. Today, we're going to take a little step back in time, I think, Carrie, and just get um, for all of you to get to know us a little better and talk about um, our lives decades ago when we first really came in contact with each other and danced together. Yeah, so, you know, my perception of Kelly back then, we, we started dancing together around eight or nine years old. And I feel like my perception of Kelly changed kind of when we were more like teenagers, maybe 14, 15, 16 years old, because she was really becoming an extraordinary dancer. She was like, she had these amazing ballet feet. She had this amazing technique a lot because of our, of our teacher, Joan, who has just recently passed away at the age of 91. I think she was teaching until the very end, which is just incredible. Absolutely. crazy Life goals right there, Carrie. Like whenever I like, she's an, she was an incredible pillar of our, you know, our small community as is Patty's Patty's Dance Center and her daughter, Jeanette. So we're going to talk a lot about them and kind of our perspective of it, because in our small town, these were kind of big things. It was like a big deal, but having some space from it, here Bean, come sit. Having some space from it, it's wonderful to have the perspective that we have now. So my perception of Kelly back then, she was just becoming this extraordinary dancer, um, you know, we're the same age, but definitely not at the same place in our, in our dance life. Like she was just blooming and blossoming as a dancer between, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. And she was also going to school at Newark High. I was in Newark Catholic. So we were kind of separated in that way. I only see her a couple times a week. And my perception of you was just so interesting because it was such a small, narrow slice of, of your life. Like thinking back, I don't actually know. Like I think I know you had a boyfriend. I knew you were a cheerleader, correct? These are both true statements. Yes, boyfriend, cheerleader. You were a diligent student. I think I knew that. And in the most affectionate way, I thought you lived in popular land. And I didn't know where I. I didn't know. I didn't think I lived in popular land. I was kind of somewhere in between. So. <laughs> Which is interesting enough because I didn't think I lived in popular land. So I think Right. I mean, but it's it's like interesting that people had that perception. Um and definitely that you had that perception. But again, you only saw me a couple times a week and it was at dance. So Yeah, different. and you were blooming and blossoming in a way that I wasn't at that time. So, and I wouldn't say that there is, it wasn't like green with jealousy, but it's almost like watching your older sister get to do things and stuff. Right. But we weren't, you weren't older than me. True. Cause I was just, I was a late bloomer. I was, I was like, I looked like I was 12 in high school, never had a date in high school because I, you know, I would just look like a kid. 
So interesting. I'm thinking about this just even about dance. Do you think, because I feel like a lot of that was natural ability and I didn't bloom in the way that you did with experience. And I guess I did in some ways, you're always harder on yourself, but do you feel like Mm -hmm. being a late bloomer that blooming came from experience and classes and your environment, or do you think you had as much natural talent? No, I think it's the first. I think it's the first. I think my natural talent, it's there, but it wasn't necessarily physical natural talent. I think I had a musicality that really blossomed later on. Yes. Like my ability to do improvisation, tap, and and the type of improv I can do, I think that it has to be a bit of um, natural talent, but that only came later. And then right. maybe it was all – like my, my body from like a ballet perspective and like having extension and stuff like that, that never actually changed that much. Hey, Bean, come sit with Mama. Right. So I think for you, right? I think the I think the natural ballet arches are always something that a body kind of either has or it hasn't, and then you can improve on it. I think that's true because you know you right. see, like my feet are pretty good for the fact that they're not ballet feet, but I've been pointing them my whole life. Right. So for you, I don't know. I I really feel like like even if I go look back at videos now. I mean, you would have been able to compete in, you know, in LA, had you been 18, like if I could transfer the 18 year old to here now, I think you would have been able to compete. Right. You were, you were, right. you, you were a great dancer. You were a great dancer. And, and you got the attention of our teacher because of it, rightly so. And, and, um, you know, you, you were just, you were just really blooming at that age. And I think it's kind of common actually when I see, yes, my love, what would you like? So Carrie, thinking about just the way we bloomed, I had another thought, even you saying this, because we're talking about two dance studios, um, you know, in the same small, small town. And I always have said that I was, I am the best of both because I got this insanely strict um, hardcore training from Joan because she was very, not super loving, but just like to the point strict going through all of the things. And like, I learned so much technically from her. Um, but moving to Patty's, there was this creativity coming from this small town studio that I feel like was beyond um, the small town, really, like what they were doing, how they were thinking, the creativity. And it it let me embrace being creative and doing things where, you know, you bloomed later because of your musicality and you love to improv. Those were two things that weren't really a part of Joan's studio. Like improving, correct? Yeah, you like musicality, being creative. That was not a part of that world, really. And so, do you think that maybe you might have bloomed faster if you had been in a space that allowed you to, or you? To me, you were very much 
quiet. Now, listen, we only saw each other like small slices of life, but do you think that you didn't have the mm-hmm. confidence at that age to improv, be creative, do all of those things? Would it have not mattered what studio you were at? Yeah, not in not in public. I would dance around like an idiot at home, but I would never have. I I, I my confidence wasn't there. I don't think. I don't really think anything would have changed changed it because I went to college. I started a dance company with my friends in college, and then every summer I go to New York and go dance at Broadway Dance Center, and that's when it started to like my confidence started to build. Like after I was 18. But let me let me step back really quick. So for our listeners who aren't from Newark, so we're in a really small town. And what is amazing about our small town, there's a lot of amazing things. But one of the amazing things is that there were two, I would say, competing dance studios in our... I mean, how many people are in Newark? Do you have any idea, Kelly? No, but we could fact check that and add it in. Let's, yeah, well, let's, I'll, let's I can, fact check that and add it in. I can look it up while well, we're talking. You can talking. look it up while I'm, while I'm talking. Yeah. So we had two competing dance studios that were, in hindsight, and this is me being out in the dance industry, like the biggest dance industry in the world for 20 years, pretty high level for what the town was. Two studios that were pillars of the community that are still standing now. So over the test of time, and they had different themes. Like Joan, my teacher, I I never went to another teacher between the ages of five and 18. She was just known for being such a disciplinarian and so um, technique-based and steady and consistent. You always get the same thing from her. She She was a constant in my life. I, I knew what I was getting from her and she just created the structure for me and many other dancers that made you feel safe to really learn. And Patty's Dance Center, which is now run by Jeanette, correct? Cal? Yes. Yes. Jeanette, um, the daughter is, is running the studio. Even when, when I was when I was 17, 18, I actually went to one of these days where they allowed an open house and you can kind of go in and watch them do their dances. They were just so cutting edge, like 1994, 95, so cutting edge at the type of dance they were doing. So what happened when Kelly was 16, and which is why I didn't really have very much of a relationship with her when I was a junior and senior in high school, was because she moved from Jones to Patty's at the age of 16 and somewhere else it might not have been a big deal, but in such a small town, Kelly Kelly was basically the star of Jones Studio. The thing is with dance studios, and this is true with all dance studios across the United States, you know, you've got a couple bright shining stars who are always put kind of in the spotlight for a lot of reasons, but but from a marketing perspective for the studio, you know, you kind of need to kind of show, show your best. And so that's what the studio is doing. And when Kelly was 16, she changed studios and it was a big deal because at least from my perspective and looking at what people were saying, they were basically saying, okay, well, Kelly basically took everything she learned from Jones and then went to Patty's with it, which is not fair because you were just, it's not, it's not really fair because that means like you're 
body own, is owned by a studio. No, <laughs> right. It's not. That's not the case. Can you talk about that decision? Yeah, you know what is even more like uh, interesting to hear, like the perception from people. The reason it was a big deal for me was my mom grew up at Jones. My mom took from Joan. Um, we just said that she passed away at 91. My mom took from Joan, even when she had already, when she had me, she was doing a point solo and someone was watching babysitting me off stage and I crawled on stage. And the, the story goes that Joan was like, Oh, leave her, leave her. She'll be on here sooner than later. And so it was, you know, my, oh my mom, God, Kelly, I did not know this. Yeah. So my mom was like a major dancer for Joan. And so when I, you know, and you mentioned that Joan highlighted me in some ways, like I did have opportunities that Joan gave me, you know, going to New York City or taking me to special um, conventions in Pennsylvania. And I would ride with Joan, like I would go with Joan to things. And so my mom dropped me off at the studio and told me I had to go and tell Joan myself that I was switching. And no one was at the studio. It was just Joan and I. And I had to tell her that I was going to switch studios. And we said that she was a disciplinarian. I was so scared. Like, I was so scared to go in and tell her. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't know this. I I would have been I was so scared. But I love that um, my mom made me do that because I felt like it showed respect. It showed... It was a like felt like an adult thing to have to do myself. Um, but I was at this place where you mentioned I was cheerleading. I was cheering. Jeanette came and choreographed our cheerleading dance. Jeanette noticed me and, you know, talked to me about Patty's. And I was doing solos with Joan. And I did feel like there was this place that I felt a little stuck this is just how my perception at that time, like I felt a little like, can I keep growing? Yeah. And Joan, even from a creativity, like people, choreographers came in and taught us our dances and. Right. So I just felt like what I was hearing from Jeanette and obviously I went to the studio and like checked it out and whatever. It felt like a next step for me. Um, but it was like a huge deal for my mom. It was a huge deal for me and coming full circle. Not that this is the story that we're telling, but one of the things that I have so much respect for, for Joan is, you know, it had to hurt her heart in some ways. Like I do believe she had a heart for those of you that know, know her out there and seem like she's oh, very, yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And so it probably hurt her heart that I did that. And you know, I moved away to Boston. I taught dance. When I came back, I saw her a couple times. She always asked me a million questions, how it was, how I was doing. She never skipped a beat in feeling mad or feeling, giving me this feel that she was upset with me. I, I, as an, you know, older, like an adult in my twenties came back and took ballet classes from her for a while and noticed so many different things as an adult taking from her. Um, that she did, she probably always did that I didn't realize before. And I even saw her at the Nutcracker probably four years ago. And she was so excited to see me, hugged me, said hello. And so I just think that that is such Mm -hmm. a true, you know, being in LA, it might not 
you know, even teaching in Boston, you don't have this um, small town studio against studio rivalry because people go to all different studios. Like even when I lived in Boston, they were like, oh, hey, my friend Thelma has a studio um, down the street. She needs a teacher on Thursday nights. Could you pick up a Thursday night ballet class for her? And it was like mind blowing to me. Like, oh my gosh, you would actually go to a studio that's a street away because we grew up in Newark and it was very small town. I looked it up, 50,000 people, 2020, 50,000 people in the town of Newark. Okay. Um, and so it, you never would do and that. You much bigger go, than it used to be, by the way, yes, I think. for sure. You wouldn't go between studios um, at that time. It was a big deal um, opposed to bigger, you know, bigger towns where it's not, it's not a big deal for dancers to go in between. Well, and, and here I expect it. I expect people to go take from different people. I encourage them to go take from different teachers so that they can grow. And, and that's, that's what you're saying. That's why you decided to move studios so that you could grow in a different way. Whereas for me, I wasn't at that place. And and definitely my parents would never have even cared. They're like, okay, you're in dance class, you're in piano lessons, just continue your lessons. It wasn't about, you know, nowadays I have aerial students who are kids and they're trying to go professional at the age of 11, you know, and their parents are making all these moves. They move across the world to get their kids into a different coach. You know, it's, it happens all the time. So, okay. So my perception of Kelly when this happened, so I didn't really see Kelly. I was, um, I was still at Jones until I graduated from high school. I don't think I've ever told you this, Kelly, now that I think about this out of all the years that we've known, like our new relationship. So Jenny Partika, who is also like one of my oldest friends from New York, Ohio, she was also at Patty's. She did the same thing. She switched. Yeah, because her and Joan um, didn't have an easy relationship, <laughs> so she had switched. And her and I were very close, seventeen, eighteen years old, even though she went to Granville High School, because we were next door neighbors. And so, for your senior year, I went to see that recital. Oh, you did. I saw that. I saw that recital because she was in it. I went to go see right. Jenny, and it was very easy to find Kelly because she was like the center point of almost all the dances, and. I understand why they put you there. You look great. My question is to you, what was your experience with the other dancers? Because from the Patty's standpoint, from the dancers at that studio, this dancer comes in from Jones, junior, senior year, and like is maybe put ahead of some of the dancers that are already there because of whatever reason. What was that experience like? Um, I think that there were dancers that were super welcoming to me. And I also had friends that were friends through high school or cheerleading that were there um, already dancing. Not that I don't think that there were definite competitive where I felt that vibe like, who is this chick and why is she in my spot? <laughs> I definitely <laughs> there probably was that. Um, but I do think that, 
that I, I, for the most part, I felt very welcomed. I was kind of shy. So that's good. I kind of went in, did my dance thing and left. I, I do think, um, you know, I teach at Patty's now. And so I do think, and I want to know what you think being a high school dancer, like there was this competitive edge that I loved where there were certain dancers that we would like go to competition for a solo and she would be first, I would be second. And then we would go to another dance competition. I would be first and she would be second. And it was this healthy competition mm-hmm. that it's not like we didn't, we were always best friends, but we definitely like cared about each other. And we just had this back and forth where I wanted to be better than her, but it was in a really healthy place. And I think I wanted to be better than everyone in my class. And I worked hard outside of class on my own at home, just with flexibility and, and sit-ups, push-ups, like running, just all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I danced, I danced a lot on my own because I wanted to be better than everyone else in my class, but not in a bad way, in a competitive and you, way. And you found that more, you found more of that equalness there because the dancers there were, I mean, I remember watching that class. Every single girl in the senior, in the senior level could do a switch sleep across the stage. Every single right. one. Right. Right. Every single so one. We, I was I was like, whoa. We didn't have that extra, or I don't remember there being this extra little, like, dynamic push like there was at Patty's at Jones. Maybe not just mm-hmm. for me individually, um, but I feel like I miss that competitive edge right now teaching. Like, I think that sometimes I wish they were a little bit more competitive against each other in a team kind of way and I think of it mm-hmm. I lack that a little bit do you more feel like it was there generation. do you feel like that was just there more when you were there at, at 18 17 18 years old I don't know if it was or it was my perception I'm not sure okay. I also think you know I'm older now and I think that kids feel burnout right now to me, but I think there's so mm-hmm. many things going on in their world and even like adding social media in a pandemic, it just feels a little, you know, different than when we were dancing. So that competitive element that you're talking about, I really experienced that for at least a huge chunk of the time that I was here in LA because I really connected with a group of Asian American female dancers because we did all these jobs together. Yeah. And we didn't look like each other at all, but we definitely fit the same box. And so we're always against each other for the same jobs. And I definitely felt that way with at least three or four of them where I, we go to audition, like we'd all show up. We, I, I get there, they're all there. We go for the job, one of us gets it. The next time, somebody yeah. else gets it. But it's always between the three or four of us. And I start getting really, like, really competitive with them. Like, really, really competitive. Was it in a positive I, way, though? I laugh because, yes, like, I love these girls, and I still love these girls, women. But, man, Kelly, I... You know, you knowing me when I was, you know, prior to that time in my life, you would have never, never 
ever guessed what my brain did when I was in my 20s with competitiveness. I could imagine like taking their ponytail in my hair, in my hand, like walking up to the back of their head, taking their ponytail and just like taking them down. Like seriously, I had those thoughts. This is like Tonya Harding thoughts. This is so (laughs) not who I would think you to be, but do you think that that, do you think that came from being like an LA drive? Like the LA drive of competitiveness? Yeah. And I think that competitiveness was kind of like in me, but it never had a reason to come out until then. Yeah. Um, and then I found out later, you know, I found in my 20s and 30s how competitive a person I actually am. I'm an extremely competitive person. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the fact, yeah, that I really, really love those women. I think it also has to do with the fact that I'm still really driven to find new careers and stuff at this, at the age that I'm at. Other women might be really just happy being a mom and I'm happy being her mom, but I absolutely don't just want to be a mom. That's not me. So I just listened to this, I just listened to this philosophy called hunters and planters. And it was saying that there's only 10% of the population are hunters and the rest 90% are planters. So a planter like does their job or their life or whatever and cultivates it and watches it grow and bloom and like just stays right there and you need planters. But then there's also hunters that are kind of like never satisfied and like go always going after the next thing. Um, And it can be in career or life or relationships. And when I was listening and they're pretty much busy bodies, they're always doing too many things. They're always like, just going, going, going. And it's not that they're not happy because they are happy, but they have to always be trans, like just transitioning to new things. And so I I would think that you're a hunter. I think I'm a hunter. Um, I, I really love that you just said that because I've never heard that. And that absolutely resonates with me. Yeah. I feel like I'm a hunter and I feel like you are too. You want to go play? You can go play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Like that competitive spirit in me is just extremely strong. So, yeah. but I agree in a healthy way. And I'm really happy to hear that that's what you got. Because I think that all of the hullabaloo around you leaving the studio, that was all small town soap opera shit. It was. Right. And right. You wanting to make a step towards more and different type of growth, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But in a small town where it was about people were saying, you know, loyalty and all this stuff, it's just so easy to get out of whack on that stuff in a small town. Because again, as we said, in a a bigger city, that would never be the case. You would just, I mean, many, many more young, talented dancers have moved across the world. Kelly, I feel like I thought your grass patch was greener, but for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you're, I don't know, when you're 16 years old and you see a dancer who's your age, but just is years beyond you. I think that's kind of what happens in your mind. And, and it wasn't so much that I wanted, 
it didn't feel equal. It didn't feel like I should be able to do everything you could do because I just wasn't there yet. But, you know, it definitely was like looking at an older sister getting to do things. I felt like I was unpopular in school. And I realize as an adult now that that couldn't have been possible because I was also the student council president. And we, Kelly, we've had this conversation before where you you can't be unpopular if you're going to get voted to be in that type of office. But I was kind of nerdy and I was... I was a late bloomer, so I didn't feel like a grown-up, like a grown-up teenager yet. And so I think for all of those reasons, and then Kelly was just, you know, legitimately growing into this fantastic dancer at that age. And I had still, not only was I growing into my dancer body late, I was actually growing into all of it late, the confidence even knowing that I wanted to be a dancer, that all happened when I was in college and after that. So yeah, I think I might've thought Kelly's grass patch was greener because, you know, she had like, in my mind, what what other girls had. She's a great dancer. She had a boyfriend. She she was a cheerleader. My mom didn't let me cheerlead for some reason. Um, I think she just didn't want me to be in so many activities that I couldn't study because I was already doing a lot of things. Yeah. So that's my perception. And I don't know how that really colored how I viewed you. I don't know if it colored how I viewed you at all. It just was like, that's somebody like Kelly's life. And my life is so different. It's like, I'm in dance class. I really love it, but like I'm not getting a lot of attention. It's okay. Joan was wonderful because she gave you attention no matter what to teach you. Right. She was an incredible teacher. Like she, everybody got the same education. Yeah. And listen, the but, good and the bad of that is yeah. the good is that everyone got the same education. She really did teach everyone yes. the same. Yes. The bad about it is, is she expected if you were in that class, regardless if you were weaker or stronger, she expected you to rock, whatever it was. I felt like, you know, there were classes that I was pushed into that were older kids. And like, she put me in there. She expected me to know, do, be able to be everything they were, um, which pushes you in a lot of ways. But yeah, she taught everyone. Was that really challenging? Yeah. I just said this to someone when I was teaching this week, because they're someone that naturally just is naturally gifted, but they don't really have all of the technical things that maybe they should being in that level. And I just, I said, listen, I get it because I was pushed into classes I wasn't ready for. And you have to work harder. You have to think, you have to think, you have to practice outside to keep up with these kids. And it doesn't mean you don't belong because you are naturally, like you naturally have the ability to dance with them but they're a step ahead in other ways and you're just going to have to work really, really hard. So yeah, that was, and I'm not someone that, that memorizes choreography, um, which is why I became a teacher. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize yeah, that. I mean, I think that it's better for me to be a teacher because I'm creating the choreography, but even today, if I go and take a ballet class, like I know to stand by the smart students who are going to figure out the bar combination faster so I can watch and, take it in that way but you just as you get older you learn what you're good at and what you're not good at and um but yeah Joan definitely pushed us all together if you were in the class you were all learning all the things and pushed us together 
Yeah. And I definitely got so much out of being her student because I just, you know, it's the foundation of my entire practice, what she taught me for those years. Right. So, so you listening to me talk about your grass patch. Well, what thoughts come to you? So I think that this just full circle makes and reminds me um, that people always have a perception. And I think in today's world, even more so, people have a perception of someone's life from social media, from what we're posting, what we're highlighting. You know, social media is definitely the highlight reel. And so, you know, people looking into your life, they have a perception of you, but also you looking to other people's lives. You really have no idea where they're at, what's going on, where their headspace is. Um, no, I just think this is all a reminder of, in general, greener grass, that people have a perception of you and what what they think your life is like. And, you know, a lot today, with, definitely with social media, we're all posting our highlight reel, which even more so gives an image of someone's life and the life they're creating. And it's, it's really just a perception of who they are, but just definitely us looking at other people's lives the same way. Like you envisioned my high school experience being one way because you had one small slice of my life and even what it was probably like me switching studios um, where really that was just a, a picture of my life and probably not really what was going on on the other side of the fence in my greener grass. So I think just a reminder right, right. that that is life and that's happening for all of us every day um, in work and relationships and, you know, family and friends even. Yeah. And then, you know, me looking at your greener grass I have to also take into account, you know, every 16 year old is, you know, pretty insecure. Yes. And so what, whatever I was insecure about projected onto whoever else, because there's a lot of examples of that. There were also kids at my high school that I felt the exact same way about, you know, I don't know why the whole cheerleader thing got me so much, but I felt like all the cheerleaders were in popular land and all the boys wanted to date them. It's so funny now looking back to like that yeah. felt so important to me, but in the whole scheme of things, cheerleading wasn't, it wasn't the thing that you take on out of high school and like as a part of your life, you know what I mean? Like dance gives you so many disciplines and so many, um, so much confidence in a way. And I think that, you know, even dance has helped with my corporate career and the way that I talk or train or that I can be on a stage. Um, and I mean, I don't look back at cheerleading and think like, what are the three amazing things that I got from cheering? Maybe community and friendship and fun. Yeah. And, you know, even I had a student recently who's now in college, but was doing the whole high school cheerleading thing while I was teaching her aerial. And it was such a social construct within the culture of the school. Right. And I think that is... That that was true then for my student, you know, four years ago, and is was true for my school, Newark, Newark Catholic, when I was there. It was very much like it wasn't the act of the cheerleading; it was the fact that in that social structure, 
the quote unquote popular girls were the ones that were in that social structure. And then, you know what I'm saying? In, at least in my school. And I don't know if it's still like that, or maybe that was really just my perception of it. But I do have this, I just, I did have when I was that age, a moment of clarity on it. I, this is, it was so uncommon for me, but I said something mean to about a popular girl because I was feeling insecure and it got back to her and her response like put a dagger through my heart, not because she said it to me, but because it got back to me. The girl basically said, why would she say something like that? That's just so mean. That's not true. Right. Like, and I was like, oh my God, I messed up. Like I messed up. I thought in my mind, my perception was that this girl was just like invincible. And why would she care what little me said? And it was just based on a rumor that was going around about her that who who knows if it was true or not. Right. And I probably said it out of like just cattiness. And I wasn't that girl. I was a quiet, nice goody two shoes little girl. And I said something to be cool maybe. And I got back to her and it really hurt her feelings. And man, I am like 40, whatever years old. And I still remember that feeling. I'm like, damn, that was, I messed up. Right. Because I had a perception of what somebody else's life was like. And I thought that it wouldn't matter. And it did. So yeah, I, I learned a lot from just that one thing. And I went to school, you went to school with a couple hundred kids, but I went to school with 60 kids. Right. We had my class was 60 kids. Yes. Exactly. So like the whole school itself was probably less than 200 kids and my class was 60 kids and at least 30 of those kids mm-hmm. I went to St. Francis with which was the um, elementary school. So I knew these kids. I knew every single one of them. And so what we did to each other when we were mean was amplified because everybody knows. So anyways, it brings me back because it's kind of like, I think this idea of greener grass can be applied at any stage of your life. Right. I mean, we talked when we were talking about you and you mentioned like, I'd love for us to start at the beginning and kind of intro ourselves from when we first met. I was looking back at that decade of my life, like what could anyone learn from or what do I even value from that from high school years but the truth of the matter is is I love that full circle I even learned from my from from this today you know it is true that high school um through 44 you know we're still looking at the other side you know seeing our perception on someone's life and always thinking that there's greener grass when really maybe what what's going what was going on for you and what was going on for me were you know it was just part of our journey and um we should appreciate and love that that was our experience then and now yeah and i have to say it wasn't so fun being a teenager and not blooming quickly you know it's not fun at that moment But if I were to write a letter to myself, it's just so hard to be patient when you're young, you know? And I would have been like, girl, 
you're fine. Right. <laughs> you're fine. Chill out. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy it. It's fine. It's just going to take a little longer. Right. And you'll get there. But, you know, that's for hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Always. Always. You know? <laughs> and, you know, who knew what was going to happen? So it's it's a big lesson. Are you okay, Bean? Oh, my goodness. She's just she's just all over the place in this room. <laughs> even, even with the birth of my child, we had so many conversations about, you know, what if I never have a family, you know? <laughs> And it's really not, to, it's really hard to not to be anxious about that. Right. You know, it's hard not, it's hard to just trust yes. and have yes. faith that whatever's supposed to happen is supposed to happen. So, <laughs> and she's like, mama, I'm over this. She's like, and, I'm and you're it. done. She's our time. She's our timekeeper. <laughs> she's our timekeeper. So. Anyways, Kel, I hope you enjoyed listening to my side of your life. I did. And I can't wait to do that, um, you know, in our next podcast and do the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into, we'll get into momhood and all the, and all the good stuff. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode of Greener Grass. Wanted to shout out a thank you to Asa Watkins, our post-production producer oh yes and you can always reach us at kelly at and carrie at grandrevcreative.com via email until next time 